Hello, and welcome to another installment of the Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. On today's episode, we have a front row seat to one of the strangest and most chaotic of gremlin traditions, the carnage-filled hog race known as the Bayou Bash. Grab your jug of moonshine and enjoy. The Bayou Bash, Race to the Finish, by Graham Stevenson. For possibly the only moment in living memory, the bayou was silent. It was one of those pregnant heartbeats when something profound was about to happen. The final teetering instant in defiance of gravity before the wave crashed down upon the beach. Even the wind had fallen silent, waylaid by the electrical expectation in the air. Ophelia Lacroix surveyed her kingdom, the red rag held high overhead in her slim green fingers. Countless eyes watched her for the signal. A thousand breaths were held. A forest of moonshine jugs paralyzed halfway to grinning mouths. She stood on a decidedly rickety wooden platform some thirty feet above the crowd, directly behind a line of competitors held in check only by a thin cotton ribbon to mark the starting line and the all-consuming red rag that hung in limbo above. A row of great pink hogs waited, their haunches shivering with nervous tension, while their riders craned back to watch Ophelia with mixed expressions of determination, adoration, and in a few cases, blatant terror. Many of the hogs were saddled, and a few more were armoured. The majority of the riders seemed to have taken a more philosophical stance with regards to protection, and were generally wearing their best outfits, presumably in the hope that should they fall off and crack their skulls on a rock, at least they would look good while doing so. Behind the line of hogbutts was a litter of empty moonshine jugs. It was generally agreed by the populace that the more empty jugs visible at the start of a bayou bash, the more hilarious the consequences, and this one looked very promising indeed. There were a lot of famous faces in that line. Leatherneck on his huge black hog, bad motor trotter. Sleek and conceited Cletus Clyde, riding his prize-winning pork chops. Sam Harfier atop the truffler. Five-tooth Charlie and his battered old hog bone shaker. And a whole host more. Every one of them had their eye on the prize. The big hat. It was astonishing how quickly bad news spread. At dawn that morning, Pickle Grubshoot had been tending to Soma Jones's legendary pig, Peaches, and had been halfway through slopping out her pen when he heard the most unearthly groan of agony. Sneaking a glimpse through a half-open window, Pickle caught sight of the big boss man himself, sprawled on the floor of his shack, and turned a most ungremlin-like shade of grey. Soma had emitted another piteous noise and squirmed partway under the bed, before laying still. Pickle was none too bright, but he could sense that Soma was not at his best and decided to alert his cousin, Gherkin. While not necessarily any brighter, Gherkin was certainly the bolder of the two and crept into Soma's shack to give the gremlin boss a poke with a stick. 
When this failed to elicit a response, the boys arrived at the irrefutable conclusion that the big hat was not much longer for the world and had apparently thrown his last punch. They wasted no time in notifying fellow pig-sloppers of Soma's imminent demise, and word spread around the entire bayou like wildfire. Within the hour, the rumour had solidified into fact, and many of the swamp's more influential individuals had perked up their ears. Now that the big boss man had one foot in the coffin, and the other on a bar of soap, apparently brought on by excessive hat weight on the brain, some said. There was an imminent vacancy about to open at the top of the bio-food chain, and an increasing number of hopefuls were reaching the conclusion that they were just the gremlin for the job. By mid-morning, Clancy Pin, the tailor, had eleven orders for an enormous hat, and one order for an enormous hat with a pocket on the side to keep a shine jug in from Dirty Irk, the labourer whose interests in local politics were little and less, and who rather found himself consumed with entirely practical matters such as where to secret another jug when one's pockets, hands, pants, etc. were already full. The first fight started shortly after that, between Wong and Genghis Klang, who until earlier that morning had gone by the name of Cecil Lomuck, before he began wearing a frying pan helmet and a fake moustache made from hog bristles. The specifics of the argument were lost amid the screaming, but there were repeated references made regarding trademark infringement of facial hair. It wasn't long before arguments and fights were breaking out all over the bayou. Gremlins were making noisy declarations of their right to ascendancy, and having a bar stool or clay shine jug broken over their head by another worthy successor, who in turn had their shins gnawed by a third contender, whose ambition far outstripped their comparatively diminutive stature. And so it would have continued indefinitely, had Ophelia Lacroix and a handful of her clan not come into town that same afternoon to trade for supplies. They broke up the fighting in short order, and Ophelia learned the grisly fate of Soma, who, after several hours at the merciless hands of gossip mongers, was at this moment in the last paroxysms of a poison administered by a jilted and vengeful senorita. She immediately declared that there was only one way to settle who was the worthiest to inhabit Soma's still warm boots, a bayou bash. This declaration wasn't met with the immediate enthusiasm one might have expected from a happy-go-lucky people such as the bayou gremlins. The last bayou bash had been a rather cataclysmic affair where 19 hogs ended up lame, 45 gremlins were reduced to a permanent vegetative state, and roughly 60% of the bayou was razed to the ground. This grim tally did not take into account the eye-wateringly awful fates of the actual contestants themselves, of course, just the results of the overly enthusiastic spectators. The particular event selected for this bayou bash was simple enough. The contestants raced their hogs around an assault course, and the first to reach the finish line was considered either the toughest or simply the darn luckiest gremlin around. Either quality was ideal for command. As often happens when real life intervenes, the rules regularly required reinterpretation, and the gremlins were nothing if not capable of thinking on their feet. More than once a rider would succumb to the assault course, and only his hog mount would reach the finish line. This wasn't as big a disaster as one might think, and it was generally agreed throughout the swamp that the Big Pork had been one of the best bosses they'd ever had. Equally, it was common for none of the contestants to reach the finish line at all, 
in which circumstances many gremlins took the Darwinian stance, that the Bayou gene pool would benefit in the long run, as the whole thing seemed like suicide anyway, and anyone dumb enough to take part probably deserved everything they got. Perhaps the only real dark cloud in the history of a bayou bash had been in 77, when Pancho Vanilla and his mount Squealer had tied a first-place finish with Big Guts Growler riding Hauntosaurus Rex, and both gremlins had ascended to boss status of equal stature. The situation, fortunately, didn't last long, but many older gremlins still referred to the short period before Big Guts ate his argumentative rival as schizo-weak. Time and alcohol cure all ills, and after a few contemplative shines, the populace started to come around to the idea of another bayou bash, and within minutes a carnival atmosphere was building, and a few minutes after that, so were the gremlins. And now all was ready, all was poised. That elastic moment of anticipation had stretched almost to infinity, or at least until Ophelia felt she had tortured her audience long enough. With a sultry smile, she dropped the red rag. Crazy Satchmo had known it was going to be a great day from the moment he rolled out of his blankets. The sun was bright and warm, but not too hot. There was a breeze moving through the swamp that was keeping the mosquitoes occupied with something other than his blood, and his faithful hog, Plug Ugly, had recovered during the night. He wasn't much of an animal doctor, but as near as he could figure it, his hog had eaten something the day before that had not agreed with it, and had spent an unpleasant night evacuating the contents of its prodigious stomach from both ends. Satchmo had racked his brains, but failed to come up with a suitable candidate for this mysterious item that had caused his pig such woe. He had previously been of the belief that Plug Ugly could and usually did eat absolutely anything without displaying any ill effects. He had personally witnessed the voracious hog consume rocks, shoes, shine jugs, wooden buckets, and on one occasion, a copper boiler half-filled with rotten fruit and potato peelings, always culminating in the same loud report of flatulence that sounded like Soma's blunderbuss going off, and a sleepy, contented expression on his hog's face. In any event, his hog had perked up mightily, and it was while he was strapping on his homemade saddle, consisting of a big pot with a leather strap going around it at two holes for his legs, that he noticed the excited crowd of gremlins. It transpired that they were watching old Crinkle Tinleg beating Meaty Bart about the head with his aforementioned metal limb, which led to the Lacroix descending on the scrum, and then the announcement of a biobash shortly thereafter. Crazy Satchmo was a fair to middling hog rider, but his real strength lay in his complete disregard for his own safety. He was more than willing to take a risk on something that everyone else would have considered a one-way trip to a pine box and a eulogy. Besides, he liked the sound of Boss Satchmo. And so it was, he found himself hunkered over Plug Ugly, the reins tight in his fists, shoulder to shoulder with over a dozen fellow gremlins that were either stupid, ambitious, or psychotic enough to think that competing in this race was a good idea. As the sensuous Ophelia Lacroix threw down the rag to signal the start of the race, it suddenly occurred to Satchmo that he had forgotten to place an order for his enormous hat of office. Leatherneck was feeling very confident when the line of hog riders surged forward, propelled by the howling crowd of onlookers. He was the biggest gremlin there, and Bad Motor Trotter was the biggest hog by far. 
They would simply crush any opponent that got in their way and use Bad Motor Trotter's great mass to smash through whatever flimsy obstacles had been erected to try and slow them down. He illustrated this tactic by riding directly over the top of Little Ron Spindle on his pint-sized Mount Rasher, leaving them both pancaked in the dirt at the starting line. Leatherneck didn't even feel the bump. Very quickly, however, he saw that his plan might not be as foolproof as he had first thought. Within seconds, Cletus Clyde's pedigree pig had shot out in front and was rapidly opening up a comfortable lead. The big gremlin spurred his grunting mount on, determined to catch Pork Chops and her sickeningly pampered master so he could watch their expressions of surprise and disbelief when Bad Motor Trotter trampled them to green and pink smears. The contestants shot down the first straight while the crowd of spectating gremlins bayed like hounds. Dust flew up from galloping trotters, and very soon the racers were obscured from view as they skidded around the first bend. But this seemed to have no effect on the crowd who continued to shriek and holler long after the hogs and their riders were out of earshot. The more astute viewers had located themselves around the first obstacle, a quarter of a mile up the road, affectionately known as the springboard. This particular obstacle had featured on several bashes before in one incarnation or another and was a guaranteed crowd-pleaser. Cletus and Porkchops were the first to reach it and handled the situation well. Porkchops resisted the urge to hit the long knotwood plank at full speed, but instead slowed enough that they were only sprung a few feet into the air, enough to sail comfortably over the mud pit. Porkchops landed daintily, as a lady pig should, and they shot off along the trail. This was to be expected from a pedigree animal, and the spectators were not overly disappointed. As if some sort of karmic reward was bestowed upon them for their patience, Rancid Pete and his panting mount apple sauce came thundering over the rise, and the audience grinned with anticipation. Apple sauce hit the sprung plank at full speed and appeared quite surprised to be catapulted fifty or so feet into the air while his short legs continued to blur industrially. This surprise turned to a squeal of concern when his small piggy eyes took in that the track immediately ahead swerved hard to the left and his trajectory would carry him substantially further to where the ground dropped sharply into a rocky bluff. Rider and mount vanished over the edge of this cliff and the assembled gremlins let out a ragged cheer, which completely masked the distant splat. Each time misfortune struck an incautious rider, the gremlins cheered and toasted one another with shine, and so it was that they were thoroughly drunk by the time Five-Tooth Charlie and Old Boneshaker finally hove into view, the last contestants by some considerable distance. The audience watched through a pleasant, intoxicated blur, as the old hog and even older Rydal trundled slowly along the length of the plank, dropped with a splut into the mud without the slightest bounce, and struggled slowly to dry land. They even managed to summon a last uncoordinated cheer when Boneshaker heaved himself out of the mud and set off at a wobbly trot. But by then they were so far gone that they could no longer quite remember what they were standing around cheering for and decided to have a bit of a lie-down. Further along the trail, another batch of giggling spectators was waiting impatiently for the racers to arrive. 
they had chosen to stake out the barrel ride, a large and slightly preposterous obstacle that they felt sure would provide wanton carnage in abundance. When the racers arrived at the brow of Snake Hill, they were supposed to leap atop one of the many wooden barrels resting on their sides and attempt to ride the rolling container down to the trench below. This was no mean feat in itself, as the hog would have to run backwards at the same pace the barrel was rolling forwards in order to maintain balance and position atop the container. And the faster the barrel rolled, the faster the hog would need to run. However, this by itself struck many of the gremlins as a bit lacking in spectacle, which was why the barrels were also half full of flint and steel strips. The premise was that the flint and steel would clatter and rattle around in the spinning barrel until something produced a spark, which was also the reason for the dozen sticks of dynamite secured to the inner wall of each barrel. The spectators were confident that the sense of anticipation in watching whether any contestant could reach the bottom of the hill without exploding, not to mention the financial gain to be had from betting against the odds, was more than enough to transform an otherwise cheap stunt into genuine family entertainment. As before, Cletus and Porkchops were the first to reach the brow of the hill, and the pedigree pig once again demonstrated her quality breeding by springing onto the nearest barrel and beginning the treacherous descent down the hillside without so much as a wobble. A sweaty and harassed-looking bad motor trotter appeared seconds later, but spurred on by the hulking leatherneck, simply shouldered aside the waiting barrels and began to gallop down the hill in pursuit. The assembled gremlins booed at this, but they did so rather quietly, because Leatherneck had a reputation for intolerance and violence in equal measure. And one of the principal laws of gremlin society was that the only rules that really applied were those that one could enforce. They were disappointed by Leatherneck's poor sportsmanship, at least until Sam Harfier in his obese mount the Truffler crashed into the barrels at the brow of the hill. The Truffler, to give him his due, did make a genuine effort to climb aboard a barrel, but was undone by his 700-pound girth and crushed the barrel flat. There followed an awkward moment when the immensely fat hog began a strange sort of downhill toboggan adventure on the splintered remnants of the barrel, while Sam Harfier tried frantically to get his mount back to its feet. White smoke was spewing from two of the disturbed barrels at the top of the hill, and most of the audience was tittering nervously as the prospect of an explosion drew near. This tense excitement heightened when Crazy Satchmo and Plug Ugly launched themselves onto one of the already smoking barrels and began to ride it downhill, either unaware or unconcerned that it might go up at any second. Most of the other riders arrived at the brow of the hill seconds later and began to jostle for free barrels when a breathtaking double event happened almost simultaneously. The smoking barrel at the top of the hill, which was being carefully avoided by the other riders, abruptly exploded and set off every other barrel in the vicinity, which was unfortunately all of them. Almost a dozen surprised gremlins and their hog mounts vanished in a huge plume of flame, and a sooty breeze carried the smell of barbecued pork to the staring spectators below. As if this wasn't a stunning enough revelation, the barrel that pork chops had been expertly riding disintegrated into an equally violent explosion when the hog and her rider were scant feet from the base of the hill. Small pedigree chops, cooked to perfection, rained down on the astonished crowd. Leatherneck and bad motor trotter skidded to a halt a short way off 
and Leatherneck seemed to blink slowly at the smouldering crater for a minute, as if unsure what to do now that his quarry had escaped him. Almost as an afterthought, he snapped Bad Motor Trotter's reins and charged the huge pig off the hill and away down the track. Incredibly, Crazy Satchmo arrived at the bottom of the hill unharmed. He and Plug Ugly leaped from their still-smoking barrel and charged off in hot pursuit of Leatherneck. The crowd watched the barrel with expectation until it gave a small fut and stopped smoking. It was almost five minutes later when a single figure appeared through the belching black clouds at the brow of the hill. Unperturbed by the chewed-up hilltop and lack of barrels, old Five-Tooth Charlie and Bone Shaker began their slow, wobbly descent towards the stunned and silent crowd. Leatherneck hunched low over his puffing mount, surprised at how disappointed he felt over missing his opportunity to crush pork chops and that fawning Cletus into mush. He was in the lead with only one more obstacle to go, but it felt like a hollow victory. He cheered himself up with the prospect that perhaps Cletus had survived the explosion, and he'd have the chance to trample him once the race was done, and he had collected his enormous hat. Hoofbeats were coming up behind him, and he glanced over his shoulder to see Crazy Satchmo and Plug Ugly closing the gap. The younger hog was both much lighter and faster, and it was scant seconds before he drew abreast of and then nosed ahead of Bad Motor Trotter. But Leatherneck wasn't worried. He just grinned at Crazy Satchmo as he overtook, who grinned back. Anyone else who stood to lose a bosshood would have made more of an effort to preserve pole position. But Leatherneck had a plan. He knew that the last obstacle was dead ahead, the big mud. This had actually been Leatherneck's idea, and it was one that had been carefully crafted to complement Bad Motor Trotter's strengths. It was essentially a big mud pit, about ten feet long and four feet deep, and filled with thick, viscous mud, more than enough to slow down and even stop an average hog. But a great big beast like Leatherneck's mount, with a head of steam, would just power straight through it. While Plug Ugly was floundering in the mire, Bad Motor Trotter would steamroller right over the top of him and on to victory. Leatherneck grinned savagely and hunched even lower over his mount as he manoeuvred Bad Motor Trotter into line directly behind his opponent. Crazy Satchmo might have questioned why Leatherneck simply grinned at him as he fell into second place if he had been raised simply as Satchmo. But gremlins usually named their kin for good cause, and he raced on, snapping Plug Ugly's reins. He could see the last obstacle up ahead, a broad stretch of glistening swamp mud with dozens of excited gremlin spectators hopping and jostling on either side for a better view. He spurred his heels into his hog's flanks and hauled back up on the reins, inciting Plug Ugly to leap at the very edge of the mud pit. His intention was to leap over the first five feet or so of the muddy trench and use Plug Ugly's momentum to drive them both through the last of it and back onto firm ground. Things went well initially. Plug Ugly launched himself into the air and they sailed far out over the mud, coming down only three feet or so shy of the far end of the pit. And stopped dead with a huge splotch. Satchmo almost folded in half with the sudden impact of coming to a complete halt and slithered out of his pot saddle, winded and completely dazed. 
he fell into the mud to the left of his hog with a small plop and lay there while the gremlin audience cheered. And then the strangely jelly-like surface of the mud pool began to tremble and he realised that the massive bad motor trotter was about to thunder over the top of them both. Cracking his reins savagely, Leatherneck guided his huge hog down the slope to the mud pit, charging it at full speed. He laughed out loud when he saw Plug Ugly come to an abrupt halt. The hog was far too skinny to get through that quagmire, but Bad Motor Trotter would make short work of it. The huge, steaming animal rumbled down the incline, tusked head bowed for a charge, and ploughed straight into the mud. Leatherneck had just enough time to register how the mud bunched up around his hog's head and shoulders in a most unmud-like way before he found himself catapulted forward with bad motor trotter nowhere to be seen. His head struck Plug Ugly's broad backside, which brought his flight to an abrupt halt, and he dropped face first and headlong into the mud, where he stuck fast. Behind him, he could hear Bad Motor Trotter snorting and heaving, but the huge pig was completely immobilised. The crowd cheered again. They had taken one look at Leatherneck's mud pit and decided it fell far short of what was considered an acceptable obstacle for a bayou bash and had set about dumping honey, molasses, glue and pretty much every other sticky substance they could find into the mud to make it a more formidable trap. The end result was a thick brown fluid that had stuck fast the planks used to stir it and the gremlin stirrers themselves, two of which were still sticking out at the eastern end of the pit like green lollipops. They watched as hogs and riders struggled and kicked and snorted and swore, but the impossibly sticky goop didn't budge an inch. Finally. Five-Tooth Charlie and Boneshaker appeared. They had been forced to take a short nap when the comparative excitement of going downhill unaided overcame old Boneshaker. But he was now rested and fighting fit, or at least as fit as a 91-year-old hog can be. The elderly competitors worked their way carefully down the edge of the mud pit, where Boneshaker clambered over the immobilised bad motor trotter, then the outstretched and cursing leatherneck, and finally over the top of Plug Ugly. For a moment it was touch and go when the audience debated whether Boneshaker's quivering old haunches had it in him to leap the remaining three-foot gap. But with a Herculean effort, the old hog managed the jump and trotted off at a sedate pace towards the finish line. The gremlins, now well lubricated with shine and willing to cheer almost anything or anyone, were going crazy as the doddery old hog and rider came up the slope. Even Ophelia Lacroix had lost some of her usual decorum with the incessant drinking and was whooping and firing into the air as Five-Tooth Charlie and his tired mount trundled over the finish line. The noise was incredible as countless hundreds of gremlins celebrated the nomination of their new boss. The fact that he was incredibly ancient, absent-minded, half-blind and unlikely to live out the remainder of the week, was entirely academic at that moment. The old gremlin would have been hoisted onto their shoulders and carried around the town were there not so many concerns that he might snap or fall apart under their rough ministrations. 
Instead, they settled for crowding around him and showering the decrepit victor in moonshine while they chanted his name and fired off an assortment of weaponry into the sky. It was right about that time that a ripple of disturbance began at the rear of the crowd. It took a little while to reach the centre of celebrations, but this particular disturbance proved that it had more than sufficient muscle and raw orneriness to make its presence known. The cheering and merrymaking was steadily replaced with gasps of shock and astonishment until the entire crowd had fallen silent. Soma Teeth Jones shoved his way into the middle of the throng and unceremoniously slapped old Five-Tooth Charlie off his hog. The fleeting and now abruptly retired boss vanished into a sea of staring faces with a squeak of surprise. What's the matter with you, pack of eejits? Soma roared, cradling his head while his small, bloodshot eyes rolled cantankerously from one goggling gremlin to the next. Can a boss sleep off a hangover in peace? Keep the noise down afore I blast the whole lot of you to kingdom come. The entire gremlin horde watched in speechless silence as he stomped back into his shack, grumbling under his breath. That's it for another installment of The Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure. <laughs>